You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. It is a delight to be with you, uh, for Liana and myself. And, um, you know, I was just thinking as we were worshiping, uh, sometimes you just enter into a certain space and you just get a sense of being home. Uh, in, in South Africa, where we hail from, we have a saying, blood is thicker than water. I see some of you nodding. We probably got it from you, but it really means your family is closer to you than anybody else, right? But we have the privilege of traveling uh, across the world and certain times you come into certain spaces where you just become aware spirit is thicker than blood. It's just in that moment that you recognize there is a different kind of connection. Even though you, you might not have met people ever before, it just, it's there. It, it bonds you. And so, uh, it is really a joy for us to be here. Of course, um, since arriving here in the city about a year and a little bit uh, ago, uh, Robin was one of the first leaders that I met and I immediately just loved the guy because he was such an irreligious spiritual leader. And um, uh, just a sense of, of the grace that is upon him and, and Donna in the season uh, of fathering and mothering and, and being that figure that can speak into the lives of so many of the younger leaders uh, also within this region. And so uh, it's just been a delight, just getting to know them, journeying with them, gleaning from them, their wisdom, their insight, uh, truly just uh, become very, very special friends to us here in, in, in the context of our new environment now living here. Um, just to make sure, I'm, I, Liana and I are kind of fathering a new church plant here in the city. We won't be leading it. Um, but it's a, a joy for us to be part of the fabric of, of this community in the next season. And of course, to share the word with you today uh, is very, very special. And I love the title of this mini-series that you're in, The Easy Burden. Um, it was Jesus speaking in uh, Matthew 11. And I know you've looked at this verse last week, and I want to read it to you from another translation from the um, message translation. Listen to what it says. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me and you'll re get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms 
of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. There's so, so much to be said about this particular portion of Scripture. But what I want to focus on today is the fact that there is this invitation that Jesus gives and says, Come to me and see the way that I am modeling a new way of life. And to recognize that, you know, Jesus is inviting us not just to look at him as a reference of something that we must try and become, because Jesus is not just a model for us, he's a model of us. He defines our identity. He came to introduce us to God's intent for our lives. And so just listen to these concepts again, if I extract just some of them out of that verse from this particular um, translation. Come to me. Watch how I do it, and you'll recover your life. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so there's this invitation where Jesus says, come and see how I do it, so that you can discover who you are. And if we think about Jesus, if we just consider Jesus' life, we recognize that Jesus was very different. Everything Jesus did was different. When he spoke, people actually wanted to listen. It was as if people said he speaks differently. They even compared him to the religious establishment and said, you know, it's as if he speaks with authority. It's as if there is authentic realness that flows from his communication. They wanted to listen to what he has to say. When Jesus prayed, it was different. It was like he was really speaking to the Father. So the disciples, as they eavesdrop on Jesus' prayers, they, they, they come to Jesus and say, hey, would you, would you teach us to pray? And then Jesus huddles them around and he says, this is how you should pray. And he introduces the most amazing, radical concept of the day. And he says, you start by praying, our Father. And he sets a standard where he says, I'm actually going to introduce you to a whole new way of engaging God. That's the reason why they wanted to kill Jesus, remember? Because uh, Jesus says to them, why, why do you want to kill me? What did I do? They say, it's not what you did. It's because you're making yourself equal to God. How can you call God Father? It's a radical notion. And so Jesus was different. He's different when circumstances and challenges come his way. It's, 
it's as if Jesus is never anxious, he's never, uh, you know, feeling that it's going to be overwhelming in his life when he's there in the boat with these hardened fishermen. He, he gets up and he speaks to the storm and the disciples look at one another and their statement is, what manner of man is this? What kind of person is this? Who is this? He's different. He's just different. And then we see how Jesus engages people. Uh, so much so to the ire of the religious establishment when Jesus is hanging out with sinners. As a matter of fact, the Bible says Jesus was a friend of sinners. And one translation says Jesus was a friend of some very bad sinners. It seems like there's categories of sinners, you know, like there's sinners and there are gold-plated sinners. I mean, these are serious. And Jesus was hanging out with these guys. Now, just imagine, I just want you to think about this for a moment. Because here is the most holy man that ever graced this planet. And bad people want to be with him. They want to hang with him. They want to listen to him. They want to be in his company. I mean, what was it about Jesus that made him so desirable to these people? I believe it's because they discovered there was something in him that they desired. They saw something in him that made him different. And it's when John tries to document this life of Jesus in the gospel of John. He starts off by recognizing the origin of Jesus being the divine. And then he says, and he became flesh and dwelt amongst us. He set up, you know, he moved into the neighborhood. He, he came and became part of us. Um, and therefore, uh, you, you know, as he, as he engages humanity... We, uh, we see John defining what he saw in Jesus and he, he, he doesn't present Jesus as the great teacher. He doesn't present him as the great miracle worker. He, he says, in him was life. And the life was the light to the world. John says there was something in him. And then he continues to write about this life of Jesus and, and how Jesus manifested this life. And, and then he gets to John 10 when he quotes Jesus as Jesus shares his own life mission statement. And Jesus says, and this is the reason why I have come, that you might have Life. Now, I don't know about you, but the church I lead, that's more or less where they say amen. You gotta, you gotta capture what is happening here. The essence of this communication is everything that you admire about Jesus, everything that you see in Jesus, everything that, that attracts you to Jesus. Listen to this. Jesus says, 
that very essence I have come to reproduce in you. In you is life. Life. The very God nature, the very impartation of the the life of God. You see, that's why we don't have to be embarrassed about our design. Jesus became flesh. Why? He came to model to us that in this flesh we can accommodate the very glory of God. We are the carriers of life. He came to vindicate our design. To show us that we don't have to be embarrassed about being human. As humans, we, we carry this life. And, and, and it's when we discover this. This is what Jesus is saying. Come to me. Watch, watch me. See how I do it. This is the way I want you to navigate life. Now, As I reflect on this and ask the question, how can I better understand this? How can I better, you know, give embrace to this reality of this life in in my life? I discovered two things in Jesus that I think if we discover them deeply, they help us to reposition. uh, To come to this place where we start living in the unforced rhythms of grace. And, and these two things I'm, I'm framing around these two concepts of identity and intimacy. Now, I know these are not foreign to you, but just journey with me this morning as, as, as I trust God that there will be a fresh awakening of an insight and an understanding into these two very important concepts of being uh, Christ followers. Now, the first one is identity. It's interesting that there was a moment when Jesus' identity was reinforced by the Father. You will recall as Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water, and then Matthew 3.17 says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, if you knew anything about the sonship Adoption ceremony, this is what, what that was. In, in, in Jewish culture, this happened where a father would have this moment for his son and it would be the transition from, from just being a, a, uh, immature child in the house to becoming a son, a inheritor of the fullness of the father. Now, what's interesting here, is that the father says he's pleased with Jesus. Now this is before Jesus had done anything. He'd never done a miracle. He'd not yet gone to the cross. Jesus had not done anything, but the father says, I'm pleased with him. Here's what you got to understand, that the father was pleased with Jesus, not because of what he had done, but because of who he was. You are mine. You're mine. You belong to me. 
Um, and it's such an important concept to understand that spiritually, our acceptance of the Father does not come because of how we achieve, it's how well we receive. We, we read this in John chapter 1. As John wants us to understand who Jesus is so that we can understand ourselves, he gets in verse 12 of John 1 and he makes this big statement. He says, to all who received him, who received Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Interestingly, that word children is exactly the same word that was used. The father says, this is my beloved son. It's the word huios, it's the word inheritor. For those who receive Jesus, something happens in our lives. God gives us a right. Now we know that, you know, we're in a season where everybody's busy discovering their rights. And that's good and well, but let me just tell you something. There, the, the biggest right that any human being can discover is the right to become a child of God. That's the highest right you can ever discover. And, and this separates people. You know, when you discover that right, that, that privilege, and you receive, not because you achieve, it's how well you receive. Christianity, the essence of Christianity is not about what you do. It's not about achieving. It's about how well you receive what has already been done on your behalf. It's receiving. Now, that sets you apart as a son, an inheritor, or a spiritual orphan. And the, the dilemma is that so many people just struggle to engage the love of the Father. And they don't hear the, the sound of the Father speaking over their lives. That sound, that, that, that communication, you are mine. You've got to hear this. This is what will set you apart. You've got to hear what Jesus heard. You are mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I'm pleased with you. You know, in the Pretoria Zoo in South Africa, they had an eagle. It was in a cage for 12 years. And then the authorities decided they're going to set this eagle free. So they had this whole project to cart this eagle all the way to the region where these eagles have their natural habitat. And when they arrived there with this big cage, some of our friends were there and they told us the story. They said it was so interesting because, you know, people were gathering. It was this moment of anticipation. They're going to set the eagle free. And there was this countdown and they opened up the cage door, anticipating the eagle to now fly out and the eagle sat. That eagle was going nowhere. Because you see, for 12 years, that became the reality the reference to the eagle. And so they knew they had to get the eagle out of the, the cage. And so they went in there and started shooing the eagle. And the eagle kind of hopped down on the ground, they say. And then kind of hopped, hopped out of the cage. And a few yards outside, there the eagle sat. The eagle was now out of the cage. 
The problem was the cage was still in the mind of the eagle. This eagle was stuck because it, it, it couldn't believe there could be another reality. It had been conditioned over years now. And so they knew they have to get this eagle going. And so they whistled at the bird. Some shouted at the bird. One guy even went to explain to the bird. You know, this is, this is what's supposed to be happening here. But the bird just sat there. They say one guy even ran in front of the bird to show the bird. You know, this is kind of what we expect of you. No avail. Just sat there. But they say the most amazing thing happened. Suddenly, one of the free eagles of the region started circling above. And then they say that free eagle suddenly gave a cry. And it was as if there was immediate resonance, an immediate witness. In that cry, it was as if it unleashed this animal to discover who it truly was, that it was made to fly for the spaciousness of its environment. And it was as if it ignited something in that cry. The cry ignited something. They say the next moment this eagle started running, flapping its wings, and it flew up into freedom. And when I heard that story, I I so recognized that's what we need to hear. We need to hear that statement over our lives, which, which will activate that which we were truly designed for. Christ came to show us the blueprint of our design. As a matter of fact, Christ is the very statement of God over our lives. Listen to what, what scripture says in In Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, God, who at various times, in various ways, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. And there's a reason why he uses the word Son there. It's the design. It's the reference of our lives, the inheritor, the huios. He came to say something. You see, God opened a new conversation with man in Christ. And we dare not change this conversation. He said, God said various things in the old covenant. And listen to me today. If, if you hear this, it's wonderful to hear what God said to David and Gideon and Joshua and all the greats of the past. But what you need to understand, if you really want to understand God's intent for your life, it's revealed in Christ. It's through the revelation of the Son that positions me to engage this reference. Because if I look at how Jesus lived, I mean, he lived so differently. He never tried to defend himself, justify, validate himself. It was, he, he, he was so secure in his identity. You know, I often wonder if Jesus lived today, if he would have a Twitter or an Instagram account. And then if he did, I mean, what would he, what would he tweet? What would Jesus say? And would he be concerned about how many likes? Right? 
I mean, Jesus could get some killer selfies. Just, just think about it. I mean, here he is. Hey guys, smile. Here I am with Moses and Elijah. Like Mo- Moses and Elijah. I mean, just imagine. You know, I mean, the best I can do is here I am with Robin and, you know. Or here he is, you know, kind of hashtag hanging with the boys, you know, like, cool. Or here he is, here I am, taking a walk on the water. (laughs) You know, hashtag, who needs a boat, you know, kind of. I mean, man, I, I would have gone to town with that stuff. I think Jesus would have been more about you than about him. Because he was secure in his identity. He knew who he was. And if we can start to discover what he has said in our lives through Christ. That we we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. We've been forgiven of our sins. We're free from condemnation. We have now become God's children. We're part of the family. Declared righteous, complete in Christ. These are the the concepts that Paul tries to get us to see when he speaks about Christ. And uh, we, once you start recognizing your true identity, because here's what's important about identity. Identity precedes activity. The way you see yourself determines how you live. The way you perceive who you are determines how you will engage with reality, with people, with circumstance. The way you see yourself will determine that. That's why it's so important to discover your true identity. We have to understand that Christianity is not about us trying to adjust your behavior. It's introducing you to your true identity. We're not in behavioral modification. We're not trying to fix Adam. We're trying to introduce you to who you have become in Christ. I uh, got to tell you this story. In, in South Africa, in the city that I was in, we as church leaders used to come together on a regular basis. And once a year, we'd go away together with our spouses. And we, we just enjoy two, two nights out and share life and you know, pray for the city and share just what our, what's on our hearts for the next season. And one year we went to a, uh, a game reserve. It was one of these reserves like, you know, what you have here with Yellowstone, but the animals, real animals walk around there. And so we, we decide one morning we want to go and just, you know, see the animals. And so we have this big safari vehicle. We we're all on this vehicle. And we travel in very early in the morning. It's a crisp morning. And lo and behold, we're not far into the park. We see lions. A whole, just, what do you call them? A pack of lions or a, a pride of lions. Second language, okay? Pride of lions. And uh, so there they are. They're lazy. They kind of lay out there. We stop about 20 yards from them. Switch off the engine. So it's quiet. 
And the next moment, one of the dominant male lions decides to get up and come and inspect this vehicle. So as he's coming towards us, and I don't know who designs these vehicles, but it's crazy because they don't have doors. So here I'm sitting right at the edge and this lion is now coming towards the vehicle. And the guide says, guys, don't be nervous because, you know, just sit still. Don't make sudden movements because the lion is under the impression it's one big thing that has arrived. He doesn't know there's a lot of individuals on this thing. And so I'm sitting there praying, Lord, I trust this guy knows what he's talking about because the lion is on its way. And the guy behind me, bless his heart, he's got this beautiful camera and he's so excited because the lion is now coming closer and so he's taking photos. But the problem is as he's taking photos, this camera is making a click, click, click sound. And in the quietness of the morning, that just sounds so clear. And the lion is now intrigued with the clicking sound and he's coming straight for me. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if I don't die today, I'm going to murder someone today, but this is, this is going to be a bad day. So the lion comes straight for me and he stops about two yards away and he looks up and I look into its eyes. Now, I don't know if you've had the privilege of looking into a lion's eyes two yards apart with nothing in between. You suddenly become very vulnerable. You suddenly recognize authority. There is something about that beast that you just, you become aware. I, I was thinking to myself, if it's true that he thinks this is just one big thing, how come he so lackadaisically comes strolling towards this thing? I mean, isn't he intimidated with this thing? No. You know why? It's a lion. And that's his environment. But you know what? If you take that lion to a circus, something breaks in that animal. It's when that animal starts running into this arena, you see the anxiety and you see this animal, you know, running around. Why? Because there's somebody with a whip and while the whip is cracking, this animal is doing all kinds of wonderful tricks. Why? Because we've been able to adjust its behavior to the applause of the crowd. The lion is now doing things that we have taught him to do. But we know the lion has not internalized that behavior because I guarantee you when that lion goes back to the cage, it does not sit in the cage and practice the tricks. Why? Because there is no whoop. Now listen. If you reduce this glorious gospel message to a reference where you think that you're going to use some scriptures or some references to try and beat people into a Christian culture, you're missing the point because we're not selling a Christian culture. We're selling Christian nature. Discover who you truly are. If you take that animal back to its natural habitat, it becomes who it's supposed to be. Why? Because it's in its environment. That's exactly what happens to us in Christ. In Him we live and we move and we have our being. 
discover that reality and it repositions your life. Jesus lived that way, unintimidated, unaffected. It was something because he knew who he was. But it wasn't just knowing who he was. It was also the concept of intimacy, of knowing his connection with the Father. It's interesting, you know, when the enemy comes Remember when Jesus goes from there, he goes into the desert and then the enemy comes and tempts Jesus. And what does he say to him before every temptation? If you are the son. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get Jesus to doubt his true identity. But what does he say to him? If you are the son of God. And he, he leaves out a very important concept. Beloved. I believe it was an intentional omission because he knew the power of that concept. If you know that you are loved, if you know that you're accepted, if you know that the embrace of the Father is upon your life, it changes everything in your life. You know, not being loved is the breeding ground for performance. It's that orphan spirit that will suddenly start to manifest. and, And now you're trying to perform form your way into acceptance of the Father. And this was the whole concept that Jesus wanted us to understand. He wanted us to understand, I'm teaching you that you can connect with the Father. As a matter of fact, when John writes in the Gospel of John, 116 times in the Gospel is the reference Father. And then later when Paul wants the early church to understand this, he writes the letter to the Ephesians and 11 times in six chapters, Father. This fathering concept is so important. This is what Jesus wanted us to understand. Can I just, this is so important to understand. For every Christian, if I can encourage you, stop acting as if God is far. Just stop it. Because that's part of our problem. You see, separation for us is an illusion. The reality is you've become a union with God. You've been introduced to a new reference. This is what John tells us in John 14. Jesus says, in this day you will know that I am in my Father. My Father is in me. And we will come and make our home, our abode in you. God is no longer far. God is... You and God became union in Christ. There is this this new reference. He's no longer far. I remember years ago we had a Spanish-American pastor come teach in our church. And I was a young teenager sitting in the seventh row listening to this man speak. And I remember him saying in his Spanish accent... His name was Carlos Ortiz. I don't know how many of you might have heard of him. But Carlos said the following. He said, when God comes into your life, 
He does not just come to visit. He comes with all the luggage. That impacted my life so deeply. He's moved in. I am now the address of God. Here on earth. Can I tell you something? Once you understand who you truly are. And you know that God the Father is with you. No longer far. It changes the way you live. Jesus says, come to me. Come learn of me. See how I do it. This is how I do it. I know who I am. And I know the Father. He's with me. Over and over, Jesus made these statements. The Father and I are one. The Father loves the Son. The Father loves me. I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. It was this union. It was this glorious understanding of union. If you want to have this easy burden, if you want to live this easy reference of, of being tethered to, to this newness of life, it's the discovery of these two things. Who you have become in Christ and God is with you. Let me end with a story. I recently had to go to the bank. Because I needed the bank to help me with a complex financing deal. And as I was walking to the bank, I heard myself say to myself. Alan, the bank's not going to help you. And I, uh, you know, as I was, I was processing this, as I got to the door of the bank, I was about to walk into the bank, I heard myself say to myself again, the bank's not going to help you, you're wasting your time. And as I said that, I, I heard so clearly just here in my heart, as, as you sometimes hear God speak to you, I heard God say to me, why are you walking into the bank like a loser? And I thought, Lord, I didn't even know you use such terms. It was like, you know, one of those conversations. And I heard God say to me, lift up your head. Put your shoulders back. When you walk into this bank, I, the God of the universe, I have become your father. When you walk into this bank, I am going into this bank with you. And then I heard God say, and whether the bank helps you or not, when you walk out of this bank, I, the God of the universe, the God that has become your father, I will walk out with you and I am your security. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you. I walked into the bank, put my shoulders back, lifted up my head. I walked in and said, where's the manager? <laughs> the bank didn't help me. <laughs> And as I sat there thinking, 
Lord, this has now really happened. I recognize just in that moment. God, they did not help us. When I walk out of here, you are with me. I have nothing to be anxious about. I have nothing to fear. Because you are with me. Listen to me. It changes the way you do life. When you know who you are. And you know God is with you. And so, as I wrap this up, I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to just... Just trust God that in this moment, just something in this communication today helps you to better understand this, this easy burden, this new life, this new way of us engaging our reality. So if you would, would you just pray with me? Close your eyes if that makes you comfortable and... Let's just come before our Father that's here. Father, you are our Father. And we recognize that you are not far. We, we are no longer separated. The middle wall of separation has been broken down. We have become a union and you are with us. And right now, Lord, you are with every individual hearing this word. And, and I just speak over their lives just a sense of renewed appreciation for the fact that they are included in the most glorious reference. Your agenda on this earth to reunite us back to you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you that we are privileged to have this, this conviction, this knowing, this just incredible security in our lives. I speak just an understanding of the life that is within us to be revealed in every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I thank you. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. 